Hello everyone, my name is Andy Summers and welcome to episode 9 of Reviving the Soul. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. For the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Genesis 3, 8-13 Last week, we read about the great fall of mankind. Eve had a conversation with the serpent, one of God's creatures, which, through a twisting of God's word, led Eve to disobey God. It was pointed out to me by one of my listeners that perhaps it wasn't Eve who amended God's word when she sought to correct the serpent. What if it was Adam who told her that God said not to touch the tree? This is certainly possible. However, the text does not address it, and so neither did I. Either way, it doesn't change what I believe to be the main point. Whether it was Adam who amended God's word or Eve, God's word was still changed by one of them, eventually leading them to disobey God. Now in this week's text, it starts out by God seeking Adam and Eve. Now one of God's greatest attributes is his omnipresence, that is, his ability to be in all places at all times. Because of this, we must not imagine that God came down to the garden physically, but rather Adam and Eve heard the rustle of God's step. It was the sacred sound that they had heard before, and in the past, this would have filled them with great joy and expectancy, but now this filled them with fear terrible dread. And so they hid, knowing that their fig leaves were not enough to hide them from God. They sank deeper into the garden, tempting to hide themselves among the trees of the garden from the very presence of God. Although we scoff at the silly idea of hiding from God, history is filled with examples of men and women hiding from their maker, including you and me. Fortunately for us, God always finds what he is looking for. God sought, they hid, God found. This is generally how it works. God calling out, where are you, does not mean that God didn't know where they were, but rather, just as I asked my son why he didn't share with his brother, even though I know the answer is going to be, because I didn't want to share. So God asked a question he already knew the answer to. This question was also an act of grace, giving Adam the freedom to come clean before God accused him. Now Adam gives his excuses. There's then a line of questioning that God gives from which Adam admits that he disobeyed God, but instead of laying down his life for his wife and accepting responsibility for his passive leadership, he decides to throw his wife under the bus and blame her for his own sin. Now you remember the vow that Adam spoke over Eve when God brought her to him? You are now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. The love and romance that once filled their relationship was now tainted by Adam's great sin. She was his human universe, and now she's just the woman that gave me the fruit. It's her fault, God, don't blame me. This is absolute wickedness. God gave Adam an enormous responsibility to care for Eve, and he was a monumental failure. In Adam's wickedness, he even had the audacity to blame God by saying that this was the woman that you gave me. Therefore, not only is it Eve's fault, 
but the blame ultimately falls on God. Following Adam's lead, Eve also shifts the blame to the serpent. Although she did not implicate God in her treason, she, like Adam, still did not take responsibility for her individual sin. Notice that at this point, neither Adam or Eve have shown any sign of repentance. The whole blame-shifting game is played out so much today within the victimhood mentality. We blame everything on our circumstances. It's my God-given hormones, my passions, my appetites, my intelligence, my insecurities. God made me this way, so what can I do? The common delusion is that God created us with such strong desires that we can do nothing but yield to them. This is, of course, egregious lie from the pit of hell. When we stop blame shifting and listen to and believe what the Word of God says, we then begin to take responsibility for ourselves, at which point we are set free. Kent Hughes observes that this can be seen so clearly on the three crosses of Calvary. He writes, Blameless Jesus hung between two hangworthy thieves. One of the thieves ceased cursing and began to listen. And before he died, he declared Jesus to be guiltless, saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. His blame stopped with Jesus, the second and last Adam. The so-called buck of our guilt stopped with Jesus. Are you still passing the buck? Perhaps God is calling you out of hiding, giving you the chance to repent, giving you the chance to own the guilt of your sin alone. It is time to give up this game of hide and seek. God already knows where your heart is. It is time to lay your sins and your burdens that weigh so heavy down at the foot of the cross. Reviving the Soul is available on all listening platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and many others. If you have any questions, please feel free to leave a comment on my Facebook page at Psalm 19 Revive. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. And until next time, apply all of Scripture to all of life.